Sometimes in life, um, we have misunderstandings, don't we? And they can be amusing or they can be a bit embarrassing. I love this picture. Hopefully, we'll get it on the screen. Thanks, Stephen. I love this picture. I don't know what the man's doing. I imagine that he's playing watching and you just want to shout, it's behind you. Um, don't you? Well, I do anyway. Um, yeah, why don't we have um, a minute? Just turn to the person next to you. You can talk about the weather or you could talk about if there's been a time in your life where you've had a kind of misunderstanding, where you've got the wrong end of the stick um, and it's been amusing or embarrassing or something like that. Why not spend a minute just chatting together now? Great. Sorry. If there's no one near you, it's hard, isn't it? Sorry about that. Um, let me tell you a story. I really hope this story is true. Um, a man goes into a garage and he says, my car desperately needs some 710. And they, the receptionist kind of has a blank face and says, sorry, I'm not sure what 710 is. So he says, well, go and get a mechanic and he'll definitely know. <clears throat> so she goes, gets the mechanic, comes back, and the mechanic says, ah, oh, I hear that you're looking for some 710. Can you give me some kind of idea about what that might be? And the man's like, what is this? And he goes back to his car and he comes back um, with this. Now, I really hope it's true. Who, who knows? But, um, uh, yes, yeah, sorry. There's a, it's a picture of oil. If you spell it the other, turn it the other way, it kind of looks like 710. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, and in life, we all make misunderstandings, don't we? Can I, can I get that black? Can I do that or can you do that, Stephen? You're... There we go, thank you. Um, in life we all have misunderstandings and sometimes they're funny, they're amusing, sometimes they're deeply embarrassing. Um, but this morning we're going to have a think about a couple of misunderstandings that we can have um, about Christianity. Um, they are basically, we can misunderstand the messenger and we can misunderstand the message, we can misunderstand Jesus. And the problem is when we do that, we can end up following a different religion, a wrong Jesus. Now, I don't presume by any way means that everybody here is a follower of Jesus and has signed up. Um, we love having people who are just looking in. And if that's you, it's a great week because we're going to go back to the heart of Christianity and see who Jesus is, back to the basics, back to the fundamentals. And for those of us who have been following Jesus for a while, it's a chance to check our hearts and to see if we are following um, the real Jesus or if we've changed him into a Jesus after our own image. So let me say a prayer um, that God would meet with us as we look at his word. Father God, we thank you very much that you give us your word so that we might know you. And we pray this morning, as we look at it together, that we would know you as you really are. Amen. So our passage starts and it introduces us um, to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is a bit of a legend. Okay? So back in the day, he was famous. He was a big deal. And his signature move, you might have guessed, was baptizing. It's the hints in the name, John the Baptist. Baptizing is just washing. 
It's kind of a washing which symbolizes people wanting to turn back to God and God, God washing them clean of their sins. So if you wanted to know anything about washing, if you wanted to know anything about baptism, John the Baptist was your man. But in our passage today, we get a problem. Look at verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. So all of a sudden, we've got another baptizer. And we're like, well, what's going on? Who's the best Baptist? And, John the, and John's disciples um, are confused. They asked John, verse 26, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing. And everyone is going over to him. So it's not only that Jesus and his disciples have set up like a rival washing company. It's not only that they're doing other baptisms, but they are now more popular than John. What's going on? John's disciples had found John to be amazing, and he was. He'd been doing great things for God, and God allowed him to do wonderful things. John's disciples had found John to be so helpful for themselves. They wanted to follow God, and they found John to be a great light to lead the way. What's going on here? Is John the Baptist just going to be eclipsed without a fight? Is he just going to fade into the background? Well, yes. Look at verse 30. This is what John the Baptist says. He, Jesus, must become greater. I must become less. John realizes that he is just the messenger. He's just an ordinary messenger. The message is special because it's all about Jesus. So verse 28, that's where he says that. Verse 28, John says, You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. John is the messenger with a message of Jesus. Jesus is the one that is truly amazing. And Jesus is amazing. The message about Jesus is amazing. He is the one who is powerful. He can change us. He is the one who can rescue us, who can give us life. The messenger, John the Baptist, can't do those things. He's just ordinary. In fact, the messenger only gets what God gives him. That's what um, John says in verse 27. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. So that's our first kind of misunderstanding. The first misunderstanding is that we confuse the message with the messenger. The message is super special, amazing, powerful. The messenger is just ordinary. And John gives us, he gives us a picture um, for us. It's a picture of a wedding. And weddings are great times, aren't they? They're times of partying, celebration, times of great joy. And that I found out at weddings, there were two essential ingredients at every wedding, two essential ingredients. You need a bride and you need a groom. And it's important, actually, that, um, that we know who those people are. They're the people that invite us there. We can only go there because they invite us. And if we kind of misunderstand our role at the wedding, well, it's, it's deeply embarrassing. So, do you know, probably every woman gets told at some point in their life, when you go to a wedding, don't wear a white dress. Do you know, like, you don't want to confuse, um, misunderstand your role. The same would be um, true for men. Like, a man is not meant to stand at the front to welcome the bride in. Okay, that's the groom's job. And here, 
John the Baptist says he is not the groom. Verse 29, he says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend, John the Baptist, who attends the bridegroom, waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. So Jesus is the groom. He's the one at the center. He takes center stage. If you were here a few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus going to a wedding. And, when we, and we saw there that Jesus steps into the groom's shoes. Jesus is the God who has come um, to marry his people. It's a wonderful message, a message that God loves us, that God can forgive us, that God wants to know us now um, and forever. He wants to give himself to us, to marry us for eternity. And this is the message that John has been telling people. But he's not being confused. He's just the messenger. He's just the best man. He's just the one that gets joy when others see Jesus. He's not in it for himself. So verse 29, once more. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. The groom holds the bride. You could also um, express it in that way. The groom is tender to his bride. So of course all the people are flocking to Jesus. They are the bride, he's the groom. Of course they're going to him. They're going to the man um, who holds them tenderly. Jesus is the groom. John the Baptist is just the best man. His joy is seeing the bride go to the groom. It's not his job to sweep the bride off her feet and take her out of church and find a quiet place for some personal photos. That's the groom's job. He's just the best man. And I think there's a couple of ways, a couple of ways we can kind of misunderstand this um, in church. And the first is that we can be a little bit like um, John's disciples. So we can confuse that the message is a special thing and the messenger is only ordinary. So, you know, in our Christian lives, I guess somebody introduced us to Jesus or somebody has been, you know, really helpful to us spiritually. And we can have a close link with that person. We can kind of feel a great respect for them. And that's not always wrong. But the danger is that it becomes that that person is special. Maybe they've got a closer link with Jesus than us. Or maybe we can get to Jesus through that person um, rather than being able to just know him um, ourselves. And when that happens, we kind of breed this kind of thing like a celebrity culture in church where we put leaders up on pedestals and we think they're great and they can do nothing wrong. And um, it can also show itself because um, we kind of prefer one person to another. We can kind of want one leader, not another. And we can kind of um, get divided and break into different groups um, over those kind of things. And what the mistake that's happened there is that we've forgotten that the messenger is just ordinary. It is the message um, that is special. We are Jesus' bride. We're not to run off in the arms of any messenger, any best man, um, no matter how nice they are. 
So that's um, one of the ways I think it speaks to us. The other way is I think we can be the opposite of John the Baptist. So um, John the Baptist is very clear, wasn't he? I'm just the messenger. But sometimes we can think that we deserve something from God for what we've done for him. Um, We think we deserve what we've got or we can deserve more um, than what we have. And one of the kind of signs of that happening, I think, is that we can kind of become competitive. So we can be competitive with other churches. We can want St. James's to be um, the best church, the biggest church, have the most people, and we can want other churches not to do as well as us. Um, Or we can be competitive in church. You know, we can feel like um, envious of somebody else if they have a bit more influence or we think we deserve people to listen um, to us. When we do that, we forget that we're the best man and our job is to point people um, to Jesus, um, that he's the special one and we're only ordinary. So there you go. That's the first mistake we can kind of make and that's to forget, to misunderstand the message and the messenger, to forget that it's the message that's special. The messenger's only ordinary. And the second mistake we can um, make is to be mistaken about Jesus' identity. Who is um, Jesus? We have a song which we sing, which is the servant king. It's a great song, all about how Jesus is a king who serves us. It's a wonderful song, but it is easy, I think, for us to flip that round and for Jesus to become the king's servant. His job is to serve us. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, we're going to watch a little clip now. Thanks, Matt, of, of Aladdin. It should be saved as Aladdin, if that helps. Um, I think Matt has stepped in for Stephen, so... Oh, there you go. Look at that. Thanks. There we go. So the question, sorry, the relatively long clip, isn't it? The question is, who's the boss? Who's the master? Um, you know, the genie is way more powerful than Aladdin will ever be. And Aladdin says there, you should be my master. 
But that's not the way it works. Aladdin is the, is the boss. He calls the shots. The genie has to obey. And so in Christianity, I think we can ask the same question. The question is, who's the boss? And when you put it bluntly like that, you kind of think, well, yeah, duh, it's Jesus, isn't it? Um, but in the mess of our lives, we can kind of get confused, I think. And um, it, I think it goes something like this. So, you know, Christianity is wonderful, isn't it? It's the best news um, ever. We get so many perks to being a Christian. We can be forgiven. We can have our guilt taken away. We can belong to a church family where people love us, support us, care for us. We can have a God who hears our prayers. We get the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. He can help us with the things that we face, with addictions, with um, anger, with anxiety. And it's easy for us to think, I think, to love the blessings that Jesus gives um, more than Jesus himself. To forget that all the blessings come through the person and just instead to treat him like a genie, um, somebody that we want to hear the blessings from. Um, so I got married quite a few years ago now, and it was a wonderful day, wonderful day. Friends and family were all there, and they all got us presents. It was amazing. Do you know? So a lot of the presents, wedding presents, we still have. Um, you know, we got a hoover that actually picked up stuff from the floor. That's a wonderful gift. We have um, like pots and pans for our kitchen, plates, knives and forks, things, so we can all eat from the same white-coloured plate. Look at that. Um, it's great being an adult, isn't it? But um, the best gift we got, I think, was um, a cordless drill, which is great because whenever you need a DIY project, you don't have to like trail an electric lead throughout your house. So wonderful. But if I told you the only reason I got married to Geraldine was because I wanted the gifts, do you know, like, I could never have afforded that cordless drill on my own, so I got married to get it. How would you feel? You're probably slightly repulsed. Um, you probably feel quite sorry for Geraldine. Um, or maybe that should be, you feel even more sorry for her than you already do. <laughs> and I think that there's something about that, isn't there? So, like, I think as followers of Jesus, can we follow him for the gifts that he gives us rather than for who he is to us. There's a danger that we love the blessings more than we love Jesus. And when we do that, it leads us to thinking that Jesus exists for us. He becomes our personal genie. Instead of the servant king, he becomes the king's servant. And we're the king, and he needs to serve us. But John the Baptist won't let us do that. So verse 31, let me read that. The one who comes from above is above all. So Jesus, the one who comes from above, is above all. He's not our personal genie. He is the universal king. And wonderfully, he does serve us. Wonderfully, he loves us. He wants what's best for us. But he does what he thinks is best for us, not what we think is best for us. And when we have a different opinion, it's always his way. Verse 36 is an amazing verse. It's the last one in our passage. It says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. It's amazing. Jesus came into our world to give us life, to give us eternal life. Though we'd turned our backs on God, though we'd hurt one another, Jesus came to forgive us to rescue us 
and to bring us to himself forever. Jesus has served us in more ways than we can imagine. He's given us more blessings than we can ever count. But he does remain the king. Verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. I think we all want God in our lives. We all want him to transform our lives. But we're not so keen on submitting to him um, as king. We don't want to obey him. Now, maybe if he can explain himself and explain why his way is better, maybe then we'll go his way. But when we do that, we're still the boss. We're just the boss that is open to somebody else having a better idea. We have to be convinced. But if you look at verse 36, let's read it again. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son, or could be translated, whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. We're called to believe in Jesus. He's not called to believe in us. We're called to obey Jesus. He's not called to obey us. He's the king. And the odd thing is, it is only as we come to him, as we give ourselves to him, as we let him be king of our lives, that we find what type of king he is, that he is the servant king. He's the servant king that leads us in the best possible way, who leads us way better than we could ever lead ourselves. He gives us eternal life, life that starts now and goes on forever. True life. A life being alive to God um, and enjoying him forever. The greatest blessing of following Jesus is Jesus himself. He's the groom who marries his people. He's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, and he steps down into the dirt and grime of our lives so that he might lift us up to live with him for eternity. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the spouse that is always there for us. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But the greatest blessing um, is himself. Let me pray for us. Father God, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus, and we pray that we would know him as he truly is and love him.